0: Welcome to the Cyber Firefight Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Tarrin, the Deputy CISO at Fortinet, and author of the book, Fight Fire with Fire, Proactive Cybersecurity Strategies for Today's Leaders. In this Cybersecurity Perspectives podcast, we will talk with a different cybersecurity expert from the book in each episode, and discuss valuable perspectives and important takeaways from their individual chapter. Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast on Cyber Firefight. Today, I will be talking to my good friend and colleague, Sonia Rista, Vice President and CISO at Signify Health. Welcome, Sonia. Hi, welcome, thanks for having me. All right, Sonia, so we're gonna talk about your chapter in our book, Fight Fire with Fire, Proactive Cybersecurity Strategies for Today's Leaders. Um, And your chapter is gonna be talking about the convergence of cyber and physical and IoT. Um, But before we jump into that, Um, I'd really like to give our listeners um, a little bit more background on you. So can you tell us a little bit by start off telling us how you, your background and how you came into the cyber field?
1: Yeah, I came in through a non traditional route. Um, traditionally, you know, you find a lot of high, highly technical um, coders or engineers um, in the CISO role. I actually came, or network engineers I, as well. Um, I was started as a business consultant. So um, back in the day, a lot of process optimization, a lot of management consulting. Um, with companies like Dell Services and Perot Systems, traveled quite a bit looking at process um, optimization and how um, technology investment was affecting certain lines of um, business uh, across industries. Um, And then the last 20 years have really been focused on information security, most pointedly in the healthcare industry related to medical devices, but also just program maturity overall in the healthcare services space. Um, And doing a lot of board level advisement, executive level advisement um, around um, how to get to a mature um, security organization, what type of um, investment is needed, and how to think about the new paradigm of, um, you know, all of these companies going through digitization of their various um, operational areas, how to build a program that falls in line with uh covering uh, you providing coverage for all those different facets of their business
0: well that's great sonya and thanks you give us another example of that you know those of us in the cyber field we don't necessarily all came from you know that that same cookie cutter you know backgrounds we all come from different walks of life and we all bring our own different experiences of that and i think this is another example where you know you brought an experience from the business side into the um the technical side of, of business so um, good, it's another example of, again, you know, you don't necessarily be that hardcore programmer or, or network engineer. You know, we take all types of people and backgrounds um, in the cyber field. I agree. So, diving into your chapter, you know, you focus on that convergence in cyber and physical, which is definitely a hot topic right now, especially with the IoT and edge security. Um, so, from your perspective, can you describe for us, you know, what that landscape looks like in today's environment? Yeah, of course. So, over the last five years, you know, we've talked repeatedly about there
1: not being this idea of a network, traditional network boundary, right? So, when you're trying to kind of um, define a perimeter around your IT environment for any business, you know, it, it's very nebulous, right? Especially with you know cloud processing. Um, on top of that, within the last two years or so, we have. People actively using IT assets at their in their home networks, right, and, and all of that expansion that's happened. So, um, when you think about ITOT convergence, it's even more poignant now as we are kind of dependent on and or integrating some of the IT that we have at home, um, including our networks and other you know peripherals that we're using to conduct our business. Um, also converging into our um, direct you know what we would be seeing as a, a your enterprise environment so this presents a lot of challenges i think we're going to talk later but visibility of just the identification of assets and the numerous processing systems and all the applications and their variable versions is definitely a challenge that um, has increased you know exponentially over the last couple of years
0: yeah absolutely i mean you're you're seeing all times of either the business you know, enable devices all the way from, you know, crock pots and coffee makers being brought that are Wi-Fi enabled, you know, being brought in, into the into the workspace. So um, again, it's, you know, definitely you're, you're seeing that increase of different types of uh, technologies that, you know, you haven't seen in the past being introduced in, into our environments. But, you know, that also means, you know, we're able to do more flexibility and have more business en- en- enablement with some of these devices. Um, but that also means that's, expanding our risk. And so can you elaborate on this and how much of that is really an issue for organizations?
1: Yeah, so as businesses, you know, had this rapid digitization phenomenon happen um, at the time and and even more so accelerated because they wanted to enable their workforce to work remotely due to the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, Then you had maybe a rush to go live or implement Um, technologies and software to enable your business that maybe weren't fully vetted from a security standpoint. Now couple that with the fact that, you know, your network, um, you know, as you defined it, exponentially expanded into um, other you know, methods, some secure, some insecure, of collaboration spaces for your workforce. So, you know, when I think about the garden variety, you know, business, I think of, you know, cyber physical within that realm. Now, if you talk on another level around, um, you know, uh, operational uh, technologies related to industry... Um, That's been, you know, phenomenon happening, you know, over time with the increase of investment in robotics, you know, machinery as part of the business, right, or automated functions, Um, and maybe um, actually uh, artificial intelligence um, mechanisms as well. Those, by virtue of being on the network, are also part of your landscape to be, uh, to have active discovery on potentially for Um, areas of exploit or being part of your boundary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you definitely see these more devices, um, you know, especially like when you mentioned the OT environment, a lot of those systems were traditionally air-gapped. And so they didn't have that connectivity. And now that they are being connected, you know, to the internet and external for either maintenance and support issues, um, they're definitely opening up more risk. And similar to some of these, the IoT devices, I'm sure you've seen in some of the medical devices, you know, they're developed, purpose built, um, you know, not necessarily with security in mind, which again, sometimes means that there are are more vulnerabilities um, in those devices that, you know, are very unfortunate, but also unforeseen for the IT and security leaders.
1: Yeah, technologists have sort of long been tracking this idea that, you know, for um, assets that have firmware, there was really not a way to upgrade them or secure them, right? So then, you know, t- 10, 20 years ago, we started putting them on their own, like VLANs or segregating them off their in their own network space. Um, But still you have, you have that same problem because now you have, um, you know, either a lot of devices on that network. So it's, it's crowded in it by virtue of, you know, having so many assets on that segment, they are all, you know, uniquely vulnerable in a different way. Um, But you can't really, you know, ascertain to some extent when you have, um, cyber events like Log4j or, or Heartbleed or um, Solar Winds happen embedded in some of those assets and infrastructure. You know what is what do you need to patch? What are the um, individual software components that constitute those types of assets on that network?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things you talk about in, in your chapter is that you talk about device specific approaches. Um, leading to increased risk. Can you tell us a little bit why that is?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. So a lot of us have observed that, you know, obviously the processing chips are getting a little bit more harder and harder to come by and it's really affected the supply chain. Um, Forward thinking manufacturers like Apple and others um, several years ago started, you know, engineering and manufacturing their own chipsets, right? To run their own specific processing for their devices. That's great because they, they obviously wanted to optimize their code, optimize their application and functionality and, and give a, a really you know unique and stellar user experience. The backside of that is when you have a lot of those types of assets that are very, very, um, you know, uh, they have very um, you know specific um, elements within their technology, right from a processing standpoint or from a hardware or chip chip processing standpoint, Um, they're very hard to identify. So your garden variety technology like NAC and others may not necessarily accommodate that kind of uh, variability in your environment as it relates to those asset design constructs that are very different.
0: Very true. And when you talk about the expanding business, you know, it seems that, you know, for the role of the CISOs and ITs it gets much harder because you think about it you know even some of the business owners they have a credit card they can you know buy their own technology or buy their own um you know cloud instantiations again if you know the CISOs and IT folks aren't heavily involved you know from a governance standpoint within their organizations so you know how important is it for you know the CISOs and ITs folks to have an understanding of um You know, because the the job's hard to begin with, but how do we even know where everything is in our environments?
1: Yeah, lately, I mean, the last five years working in the software industry, um, (laughs) really, I'm highly attuned to the enormous SaaS-based platforms that are supporting our business and how you can uniquely understand the security posture of those vendors that are, you know, really far removed for all intents and purposes from your direct line of sight operationally. So it's a little bit, you have to approach it two different ways. If I were running, you know, a a public sector, um, you know, water treatment plant, I'd probably look at, at, you know, the majority of my program would be pivoted towards understanding, you know, asset-based kind of uh, vulnerabilities in in the the cyber posture or cybersecurity posture. Within the program, if I'm running a business, you know, like a software development company, um, then the landscape looks very, very different. And I have to look at that portfolio uh, with a critical lens on how do I effectively run third party uh, vendor assessments without, you know, that are that are meaningful.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's a risk assumed by one is a risk assumed by all. Um, and so, speaking of risk, you know a lot of this, you know, kind of what we've been talking about does kind of come down to you know the risk and the risk posture. You know, so how should CISOs be looking at it in this cyber-physical world? You know, what should they be looking at it from? What really should be acceptable and what is not?
1: Yeah. So you and I spoke about you know the fact that with all of this digital complexity and the asset complexity, that you know anomalous behavior is going to be very hard to detect, right? Um, So, and that includes, you know, not only people working and, and, you know, kind of the traditional stats that we would make about productivity and people being online or offline or what they're surfing, um, but also is the technology presenting some kind of anomalous behavior that we should be concerned about. So there's definitely more, you know, um, I guess, chatter, for lack of a better word, um, that's introduced systemically because of a lot of false positives. Um, alarms that are being, you know, kind of raised um, on assets in the way that they're either processing or the way that they're loading certain scripts, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in the cyber physical world, you've now married... <laughs> people interacting with devices very closely. Again, the devices are in the home. So your enterprise owned assets are now in the home being plugged into domestic things like Alexa and the computer and a printer or maybe a CAD cam machine or some some other type of device. Um, So I think that the CISOs reach um, along with, you know, understanding your liability terms um, and your terms of employment and acceptable use of the technology that you deploy is really within your purview as well. Uh, getting insight onto how people are using your technology has never been more of a challenge uh, than it is now for CISOs.
0: Right, and that, that also drives that concern. You know, and something you had mentioned earlier about that supply chain concerns, because again, you know, people bring, introducing either whether that's software as a service or additional technologies, devices into your environment. And so for a lot of organizations, it's important that they really need to understand that liability and security, security responsibilities. Right. And so from your perspective, you know, you know, what are your insights on, you know, how organizations really should be addressing that liability and security? Responsibility.
1: Yeah, I, really, I really love this topic because you and I have talked to so many customers and we've asked for like basic network diagrams right to be able to get a sense of their environment and it's something that's sort of like a housekeeping item right if they haven't if they haven't found an automated way to help them keep on top of their changing architecture as it relates to the network, then they're not really gonna have um, a good sense of their areas that they need to fortify. So same thing with data transmission, right? When I go into any organization, organizations I worked for or consulted for, data flow diagrams are one of those housekeeping items that really go by the wayside. But when you look at understanding the liability um, you know, terms, how the flow represents different points of, you know, changing guardianship for the um, data that's being shared with your partners and with your customers, Um, then it gets a little bit harder within a breach to kind of understand, you know, who's sort of on point for remediation in certain aspects who is responsible for communication to um, the customers or the, the end users that need to be notified that the data was um, potentially breached or, or uh, you know, changed? Um, it just it, it's really getting uh, very um, important that CISOs have a good relationship with their legal counsel and that they can readily kind of assess an incident through the lens of the liability chain or the data flow chain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of out of sight, out of mind, um, you know, approaches. And unfortunately, in today's environment, it's just, it's no longer good for the business. It's no longer good for your organization. It's no longer good for for your uh, reputation as an organization. Because ultimately, it comes down to what Sonny, you and I've talked about fundamentally is some of the basics. Um, If you don't know where your assets are, you can't protect your assets. Um, and that's fundamentally become critical now more than ever, especially as we rely heavily more, on, especially on, on data w- within our organizations. Yeah, agreed, Renee. So as we head into 2022, um, you know, we've talked a lot about you know the cyber physical challenges and IoT and edge. But you know, what other pieces of advice would you give for cyber leaders today as we um, see what adventures lie ahead for us in 2022?
1: Yeah, with the last couple of conversations that I've had um, with leaders in this space, everybody's thinking about context. Um, so, leveling up the context of the the environment that your business is in, and I'll tell you what I mean. Um, obviously, the pandemic um, introduced a lot of you know remote uh, work enablement, right? Which had an impact on IT's ability to support um, and and get. Uh, the right assets to the right people, right, and provision the right tools and give them access to the applications they needed, etc. So identity and access management sort of came to the forefront as either an area of pain or pleasure, depending on how much you had invested in getting that right before you had this distributed workforce. Um, But there are other things at play, right? We've just had um, over the last year and a half, right, This, this whole idea of um, that, you know, um, domestic uh, resignation um, and turnover of resources and security teams have also had a good amount of turnover um, as it relates to kind of getting back into an operational standard with a team that may be for the most part virtual. Um, my last position, I actually never met, you know, 90% of my team in a literal space, like face to face. Um, Ever. We always worked uh, virtually. Um, So that's, that's another component um, in terms of everybody's, you know, right now shifting seats from a roles and responsibility standpoint, and that needs to be taken into account. Um, and then again, as I alluded to in the very beginning, you know, you can look at newspapers and look at news uh, media releases by you know, major software companies and small private sector companies that we have known gaps in our investment and prioritization and in information security programs. And that's really coming home to roost. Um, we are seeing um, active exploits by other, either nation states or maybe our um, direct you know, industry competitors. Um, that are trying to kind of disrupt our our business or our revenue stream actively or steal our intellectual property. Um, So those are sort of the things that I would keep in mind going into 2022. The idea that as a CISO, yes, you're looking at your own lines of business and you're looking within your own organization to define the right parameters that make sense and are practical for your business. But you also need to be going a level up and looking globally because we all know that the cyber um economy and the potential impact of threats inadvertently to our business by things that are out of our control is a very real prospect
0: absolutely it's we've our, our job definitely isn't done as cyber leaders we we've got a lot still have a lot of work ahead of us in in 2022. So, Sonia, I want to, first of all, thank you for your continued leadership in the cyberspace and also for being a contributor to Fight Fire with Fire, proactive cybersecurity strategies for today's leaders. I think you provide a lot of great insight um, for IT and and security leaders, um, especially in that space of the cyber physical and IoT edge security.
1: Thank you so much, Renee. It's a pleasure to be involved. The wonderful, great contributors to the book. And
0: it was just, it was my pleasure. Thank you. If you want more information on Fight Fire with Fire, go to our blog at ftnt.net slash cyberfirefight.